0: I'm excited, okay, I am excited because I um, have been looking forward to this series for a little bit now and um, we are going to be starting a brand new series this morning and it's, it's entitled Accept No Lies um, and as we, I, I, I kind of like, as I was talking about like in my mind how I wanted to kind of even intro this series and start, I started to kind of be like, oh I'm going to, I should say this and then I'm going to talk about this and then we'll bring up this and I'm like, I'm going to talk about all that later. So I'm like, I'm not ready just to jump on in, okay? Because I'm, I'm excited about what God has laid on my heart. As I mentioned last week, I believe this series is going to do some amazing things in the lives of people. Not because of the series is something that I'm saying, but because of the power that I believe God wants to communicate to us through this. I believe that for some of us, there has been situations in our lives that have been going on for decades... And we just can't seem to get freedom from it. We just can't seem to move on from it. It's just like that, 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 that splinter, you know, you ever get a splinter in your finger and you just can't get it out no matter how much you try. And so you just kind of like, oh, it'll be fine, but it's always there. It's always nagging. I always think like Paul kind of mentioned this as kind of like the thorn in his flesh. You know, And I truly believe that this series and what God wants to share to you through it is going to be an, a, a special time because I think for some of us, those splinters are finally going to be removed because God is going to do something pretty incredible in our hearts and our lives. But the bottom line is this, is, is we have this concept and the title of this series is this idea of accepting no lies because we tend to do that. We tend to be a people that we are easily manipulated We love to think that we're smarter than the average bear, you know what I mean? But for a lot of us, we're just not. We're easily manipulated, we're easily lied to, we're told things and we believe them. And what's problematic about that is we don't understand at times what those lies can do. How they can affect every area of our lives. And so what we tend to do is we just tend to accept them. We just tend to go along with it. We just tend to agree with the lies or believe the lies. And we don't understand why in our lives we're having such a hard time to allow God to do the great, mighty, amazing things He wants to do. You see, the enemy is amazing at lying. We're gonna see this in just a minute. But as we get into this, I want us to start with this contrast of, of 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 this this whole situation. And to do that, we need to go back to the very beginning. I know this is scripture we've heard before, but we're gonna look at it again, and we're gonna look at this 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 father of lies. We're going to look at him a little bit deeper this morning, maybe. And then we're going to move on. So this father of lies shows up in Genesis 2. In Genesis 2, we, or, or excuse me, Genesis 3. We're going to start with Genesis 2 to give us a little context to understand the story and understand really what's happening. So if you have your Bibles, open them up or it'll be up on the screen. Genesis 2, we're going to start with verse 15 and go through verse 18. And this is what it says. It says, and the Lord God commanded the man... You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will surely die. You will surely die. Now, in this concept here, we see this very beginning situation, okay? God appears to Adam. At this point in time, we'll see Eve in just a moment. Eve isn't around yet, okay? It's just Adam, And Adam is there, and God speaks very clearly to him. He says, listen, you can eat of any tree in the garden, but this one tree you need to stop. Do not eat from this tree. If you do, you will surely die. The commandment has been made, the promise has been communicated, and the restriction has been laid out in very, very clear terms. Now, let's continue on. Let's go on to Genesis 3. In Genesis 3, now Eve has been created. Eve is around, and here we are picking up the story. Genesis 3, starting with verse 1. It says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman. One day he asked the woman. It's interesting here that it's, it's, it's like Satan is just waiting for that one day, isn't he? It doesn't say that it just immediately happens. It's just kind of, and then one day, you know, the enemy is so smart. Like I hate his guts, but he's smart. He waits for that perfect moment. That moment where maybe you're weak, that moment where maybe you're tired, that moment where maybe things aren't going the way you wanted them to go. And one day he shows up and he asks the woman, did God really say, did God really say, you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Let's continue on. Of course, the woman replies, we may eat fruit from trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat of it or even touch it. If you do, you will die so many of the enemy's lies start with this concept of did God really say here's the thing here's the thing we need to understand we've talked about this before for some of us it's very easy for us to believe the lies because when the enemy says basically did God really say we don't know what God really said What's interesting here is if we go back into Genesis 2, remember I told you, who does God speak to and say you can't eat of the fruit of the tree? He speaks it to Adam. Why? Eve's not here yet. Eve hasn't been created yet. If you look at Genesis 2, we looked at this idea of, of, of God speaking to Adam. Don't eat of these things. In verse 18 of verse 2, it won't be up here, but it says, Then the Lord God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who's just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground, blah, 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 blah. And he makes woman. So how does Eve even know you're not supposed to eat of it? Adam told her. That's the only way I can assume. Maybe, maybe God did. We don't know, but I'm assuming that, that Eve was told, hey, listen, you can't eat of that fruit. You can't, you can't touch that fruit, even though that's not what God really said. God said, just don't eat it. She takes it one step further. So you can't even touch it. You can't even look at it, basically. is a kind of what she was trying to get. Now let's continue on with the story. Verse number four, chapter three. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. Now, let's stop here for a second because this is important that you catch this, okay? How many of you have ever played the game Two Truths and a Lie? You know what that game is? Yeah, okay? Do you realize I know the inventor of that game? And trust me, it ain't a good guy, okay? Look at what Satan does here. Listen to what he says to her. He says, you won't die, but listen to what he says in verse 5. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Did you catch the two truths and a lie? A lot of times, that's how Satan loves to come. Satan, listen, Satan's not going to walk up to you and say something like this. Hey, listen, Hey, Randy, how you doing? Good to see you. Hey, dude, listen, I want you to do this, okay? Now, listen, this is going to really ruin your life, okay? Like, this is going to be horrible and terrible. It's going to destroy relationships. You're going to be miserable. You're going to have bitterness and anger and greed. And, oh, it's going to be just so awesome. Will you do it? It doesn't work like that. Because Randy is a smart guy. And Randy go, yeah, I think I'm good. What Satan does is he brings it and he always tries to encapsulate things with some truth. Look how he encapsulates the truth and the lie here in verse number five. Look, God knows that your eyes will be opened. Guess what? That's very true. We see that. Their eyes are open later on after they partake of the fruit. They realize that they're naked, okay? Their eyes are going to be opened. Now let's jump down to the the other truth. He says, knowing both good from evil. They're going to know that too. The lie is encapsulated in the middle. The lie is, and you will be like God. You know what I've learned about the enemy's lies a lot of times? They are exactly the opposite of what the truth is. He says, you're going to be like God. Listen, when you look and you see what they become in chapter 3, they are filled with shame. They're filled with guilt. They're filled with blame. They're filled with, oh, oh, I'm naked. i got to cover. i got to hide. They are become, everything they become is exactly opposite of who God is. And the enemy encapsulates it. And it looks so there's a little bit of truth but there's a major lie in there there's a major lie and guess yeah and we all know what happens eve sees the fruit boy it looks good she partakes of the fruit she gives it to adam who partakes of the fruit as well their eyes are opened and all the mess that we are experiencing now come all the way back to this very first lie Why is this so important? It's real simple. It's real simple. Look here in your notes. I wanted you to get this. If you come into agreement, which means you accept or believe the lies, if you come into agreement with the lies of the enemy, it will have generational curses and consequences in your life. Could I be even more broad? No, I'm trying to get us to understand how this will affect us. I want you to know that these lies that you will grab a hold of will not just affect you, but they will affect generations behind you. You have been affected in your own life by by, uh, agreements of lies that people have believed as far as your parents and your grandparents and going back even further than that. It affects us. It, 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 it pollutes us from the inside out. We see it very obviously clear with Adam and Eve. We see that their decision, they're coming into agreement saying, hey, I want this. This is what I desire. I believe the lies. That it has affected every person, every generation since. Even so much so that we call it the curse of sin. It has bound us. It has taken us from a life of freedom and peace and joy to a life of bondage and a life of guilt and shame and blame. It has affected us so much. Look what Jesus says in John 8. John 8, 44. Look at this with me. It says, For you are the children of your father the devil, and you love to do the evil things he has done. Now, man, that's a little strong. That's a little strong, but here's the deal. When we, and we've all done this, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short. When we, in so many ways, have taken the fruit in our own lives, and we have believed the lies, at that point, we have become a child of, not of God, but of the enemy. We are born into sin. And Jesus here is helping us to see that a little bit. He says this, he says, we do the evil things that he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it's consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. It's a weird way to say I love that scripture, but I love that idea and that concept. It is constant with his character. When the enemy comes to you, You have to understand, he is the father of lies. There is no truth in him. None. Not a little bit. Like, we tend to have this, and this is not a bad thing to look at people and have this feeling like, well, there's some good there, you know, like, yeah, they're a horrible, terrible person, but I'm sure there's some good in there someplace. Listen, when we're talking about the enemy, that rule does not apply. It is constant with his character. He is a roaring lion walking around seeking who he may devour. His job is to kill, steal, and destroy. This is our adversary. And yet we will come into agreement at times in our lives with this, the father of lies. Not a shred of truth in him. But here's the deal we have also the God of truth. We have the father of lies, but in direct contrast, we have the God of truth. Look what John 8, 31 through 32 says. Listen to what Jesus says. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him. Now remember, in this first uh, chapter, or this first part, he talks about the people that are the father or, the, or their father is the enemy. And now Jesus is talking strictly to those who believe him. And he says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now we're going to get into this in just a minute, but we need to understand what Jesus is communicating here and then understand it in a broader sense as far as what we're talking about as far as this morning. So there are two things that will set us free, okay? I know you're going, lies and freedom. Okay, just just go with it here, okay? But there are two things that Jesus tells us here are going to set us free. Number one, we must know the truth of God's word, okay? Again, if we don't know what God's word says, we're going to have a very hard time deciphering between the truth and a lie. So Jesus here is saying, listen, if you want to know, if you want to truly be my disciple and live in the freedom that I have for you, you're going to have to know God's word, Okay? very important. But the second thing is just as equally as important. We also must know the truth, capital T, personally. Look at John 14, 6. It says, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So what tends to happen here is we tend to focus as people on one, two, one of these two things, and we forget that these two things work together in harmony. For some of us, we are very aware of the truth of God's word. We're very knowledgeable. We understand. In a lot of ways, you've heard me talk about this before. Our understanding of Jesus is very much head knowledge. We know what scripture says. And Jesus says that's very, very, very important. And for some of us, we're really not quite sure what the Bible says. But oh man, we know Jesus and we want to know him more and more and more. You don't understand that to have the freedom that God wants you and I to experience... ...it is a double-edged sword, if that makes sense. It's understanding that we need to know the truth of God's word, yes. We also need to know the truth personally. Because Jesus has called himself that. He has called himself the way, the truth, and the life. So we take these two things... We bind them together so that we can experience the freedom that God has got for us to experience. He is this truth. He is this way. He is this unbelievable life that he has for you and for me. The problem is, is there's a father of lies out there who is working overtime to keep you from experiencing the life, the goodness, the freedom, the joy, the grace, the mercy, and the love that God has for you and for me. So here's the thing you need to understand. This is something that you need to get. Because if we can get this, it'll be important for us, not just throughout the series, but throughout our lives. It's in your notes. If the truth of Jesus sets us free, then the lies of the enemy keep us bound. We forget sometimes the other side of this coin. Well, we love, oh, Jesus is the truth. He's going to set me free. But we forget that the lies of the enemy are going to do the exact opposite. For some of us, hear me here. For some of us, we are walking around in our Christian life with a pair of handcuffs on. And we can't understand why we're having a hard time doing things for the Lord. We're having a hard time figuring out why can't I I praise the Lord the way I want to? Why Why can't I read the scripture very easily? And why is it hard for me to do that? We're bound up. We're bound up. Because we have forgotten that the enemy, his lies bind us. The truth sets us free. The truth in God's word and the truth of Jesus. The truth of the person of Jesus. But the lies bind us. And if we're believing the lies, we're not going to be truly free. OK? So this morning, understanding that, I want us to talk about three foundational truths from God about you. These are three foundation listen, you know what a foundation is, okay? These are things that if you will build your life on, it will make a massive impact. But on the same other side of the coin, if you do not, you'll find that your house is kind of like that guy who built it on the sand. When the storms come, the winds come, and the rain came tumbling down, and the house on the sand went splat. These are foundational. These are important And you're going to see a little bit more as we go why. So we're going to look at these. We'll see them in Matthew 3. In Matthew 3, verses 16 and 17, I want to kind of give you an idea where we're at context. Jesus has just been baptized. Now, I want you to remember something about this, okay? Jesus' ministry has not yet begun. Jesus has not healed anyone. He has not done anything that would warrant, in a lot of ways, what God is going to say about him and what God then says about us. But look at it with me. Matthew 3, verses 16 and 17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. Look at verse 17. And a voice from heaven said, okay, Now, what we're seeing here is three statements. See the punctuation? Look at them with me. This is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. What are these three foundational statements? It's in your notes. You need to get these. You need to hold on to these. You need to let these be so foundational in your life as a believer. Listen to me. This is what it says. Number one, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Number two, God loves me. And you're going, Aaron, aren't these pretty basic? Yeah, this is foundational. Okay? You know what I've learned about foundations? Okay? They're pretty basic. But they're vital. The house falls down without them. And number three, God is pleased with me. That idea of of God when he says about his son, you know, who I'm well pleased, that word, when you look at it in the original Greek, it's got this idea and this concept of God being proud, God being pleased, God being like, 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 like God looking at him and going, this is, this is, this is my, here's the thing, like I see this over and over in my mind, Okay? It's like it's like God comes and, and remember, remember, Jesus hasn't done anything yet. Like, like he has no, blind people are still blind, dead people are still dead. You know what I'm getting at? You know, like like he's not going, man, like Jesus, you're really rocking it, man. You're really doing good. This is awesome. That's you know, no, no, no. This is just he just got baptized. Okay, and and it's like God comes and he goes, That's my boy. That's my boy, and I love him, and I am so proud of him. Listen, parents, can I help you with something? Three things that always should be coming out of your mouth to your kids is you're my child. I love you, and I'm pleased with you. I'm proud of you. You go, but Aaron, you don't know my kid. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. And guess what you ought to be saying about him? You're my child. I love you and I'm pleased with you. These are so foundational. But here's the problem. Because they're so foundational, because they're so important, guess what the three things that the enemy will attack you first on? Guess what he'll lie to you about the most? Who you we'll get in a minute. Okay, 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 jump ahead. Okay? He's gonna come after these things. The lies that he tells are usually based around these things. So listen, Jesus gets baptized. God shows up in a powerful way. He says, that's my boy. That's my son. I love him. I'm pleased with him. I'm proud of him. And then the very next verse in Matthew. These are the last verses of Matthew 3. In Matthew four, let's pick up the story. Look at it with me. Matthew four, we're going to start it with verse number one. It says, "Then, next, right after, Jesus was led into the spirit uh, by the, into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil." For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, there it is again. One day. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Sound familiar? Did God really say? I mean, like, like, I know, you know, there was a dove, but you know... You just came out of the water. You know how that happens. You, know, you go under the water. You come up. You're not really there. You know, did a dove really show up? Did God really speak over your life? Did God really say that you were mine? Did God really communicate that love? Because you know what? I don't know if he did. I don't know if he really did. You see, the enemy will come at you. And he loves to make you question these fundamental truths about you. He loves it. You see, here's the deal. See, the enemy, the the lies of the enemy, he he wants you to accept concerning these three fundamental truths, okay? We're going to look at the lies now he tells, okay? But before we get there, we're going to see how Jesus responds. And I, quite honestly, love the way Jesus responds, okay? So, We have the concept of the enemy saying, are you really, can you really do this? Are you really God's son? Look at Matthew 4, 4, the very first part. This is what it says. It says, but Jesus told him, no. Do you see the punctuation? I'm not great with punctuation. But I do know one thing. Exclamation points should be used sparingly, okay? Like, don't send me, please don't send me a text, okay? And be like, I I just had tacos for lunch! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. I'm glad you like tacos. One is fine, and even that I'm questioning, okay? Like, I reserve my exclamation points for some important stuff, and I believe Jesus does as well. No. No. I was actually talking to a friend of mine this week we hadn't talked in a while and he was sharing what god had been doing in his life and he was having some i don't want to get into the details but he was having some some tests done he was very concerned about maybe some cancer or some things in his body that were happening he went to the doctor and the doctors kind of you know the doctors are kind of like yeah um maybe you should come back in a couple weeks and we need to test this. And he told me this, and I really took it as, as confirmation of, of, of the message, because the message at this point was already written. And he said he walked out of that office, and he said immediately, the enemy started to talk to him. The enemy immediately began to say things like, you won't be around to see your grandkids grow up. You won't be there to see your granddaughter get married. He began to preach lies to him about his destiny and about his future. And he told me, he had no idea, obviously no idea what I was speaking about. The guy doesn't even live in this state, okay? And he said, you know what I did? I just stopped in the middle and I told the enemy, no. 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 Too many of us walk around and we are playing games with the enemy. We say, well, maybe that's true, maybe that isn't. I just don't know. Listen, Jesus didn't play games. Jesus didn't have a conversation with the enemy and go, well, you know, you bring up some very good points here. I need to think about those. No, he just says, no. And then he says, the scriptures say. Let's get these with me. What does the enemy lie about? What truths does he want you? Or excuse me. What lies does he want you to accept concerning these fundamental truths? Number one, the first thing, he lies about your identity status. Remember what the first one is? I'm a child of God. The enemy loves this one. The enemy, oh, but do you know what you did? I know what you did. I bet you they know what you did. God wouldn't love you. Would take care of you. You. You're not a child of His. Really? God, the enemy will say things like, really? Really? You, you, you think that, that God is going to accept someone like you? You think God is going to let you into his family? You're a child of God? Oh, come on. Of oh, God. You. Look at it with me. No. No. The scriptures say, look at it with me, Ephesians 1, 5. God decided in advance, in advance. What does that mean? It means that God didn't just make his mind up as he went along. He knew, he knew everything you do, everything you would say, everything you experience, all the messes, all the things you've done. He knew in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. I love that verse. Why? Because it's all God. God makes the choice. God does it. And you know what? God's not sitting there going, you know, I invited Zach into the family and he's one of those, you know, the the, the horrible uncle guy. Man, I wish we hadn't done that. He makes Thanksgiving really uncomfortable. No, God is like, I was pleasured by it. Do you understand that concept? Do you understand what Paul is trying to get you and I to understand? That God made this decision and he's giddy about his choice. He's giddy about it. John 1:12. 1 John, John 1.12. But to all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Here's the deal. Here's something you need to understand about this father-son relationship, okay? Or or father-daughter, okay? I don't have a daughter, I have a son, so we're going to talk about a son, okay? If you have a daughter, go with that, whatever. My son can decide, quote-unquote, in his own mind, that he no longer has a father, okay? He can make that decision. He can say, you know what? I don't have a dad. But I'll tell you one thing, as his father, I will never, ever decide that I no longer have a son. You may say, you know what, God, you've hurt me. God, I don't understand you. God, I I reject you. God, I don't want you. But the truth is still the same. You have a father if you want him. And he loves you. And it brings him pleasure to invite you into his family. Listen, some of you have been believing the lie about your identity status. You believe the lie that enemy is peddling. That says you're not good enough. God would never want you in his family. God, God would push you away. God knows what you've done. And this is the exact opposite. The scriptures tell us the exact opposite. I remember when I was a youth pastor, we had a young girl who had been adopted, and I was talking to her, you know, and we were kind of talking, and she was a little bit older, I mean, she was in uh, high school, like, I think she was a freshman at this time, and we were just talking, it was a, before a Sunday school class, and she had been the first one there, and, and so her, we were talking, and, and, and I made the comment, I don't know if I'd seen something on TV or something at the time, I don't know, but I made the comment about being adopted, you know, I said, have you, have you found that hard? Was that okay? You know, how did you deal with that? You know, have you, has kids ever been mean to you about that? You know, and all this sort of stuff. And she kind of told me this story. She goes, yeah, I remember once I was like in third grade, you know. And I don't know if she heard this someplace because I, I kind of heard it before too. But you know what I mean? So she'd kind of been like, I was in third grade. And this, this mean girl was saying, you know, you know your, your, your mom and dad didn't love you. You know, that sort of jerky kind of behavior. And I said, well, how'd you handle that? She says, well, I probably didn't handle it the best. I said, well, you know, third grade, we don't always handle things the best. I'm, I'm, I'm an adult, and I don't always handle things the best. I said, what did you do? She says, well, I kind of looked at her, and I said, something to the effect of, you know, well, my parents chose me out of thousands of kids. Your parents had to take you. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, you know, I'm trying to be like the youth pastor that's like, oh, well, you know, we ought to love, and we ought to, and inside, I'm like, yeah! You know? <laughs> that's right. But here's the deal. God chose you. And you go, you go, here's the thing. You go, you go, well, well, am I special because God chose me? No, 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 no. God chooses everyone. God wishes that none should perish, but that all would come to repentance. He chose everybody. You, you can't sit there and you go, oh, well, but you know, I'm, I, He chose the good people, not me. No, He chose us all. The question becomes, will we accept being adopted? Where we accept that choice that God made? where we say, you know what? I'm going to say no to the lies of the enemy and I'm going to say yes to the truth that I am adopted and I am a child of God. Number two, he lies about your relationship status. He lies about your relationship status. He says things like, God couldn't love you. God doesn't love you. God has never loved you. God will never love you. He knows what you've said. He knows what you've done. He's known how you, he, listen, he not only knows that, but he knows what you're going to do. And listen, if the past is any indication of what the future is going to be, oh boy, he, he, no, no, he's not going to love you. He's not going to take care of you. No, no. The scriptures say, Romans 5.8, Romans 5.8, but God showed his great love for us. By sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. Ephesians 4, 2, there it is. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Last one, Ephesians 3, 18-19. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. God loves you. And I love it that he says basically, you can't even comprehend it. Do you realize that? That God's love for you is so big that if you spent every waking moment from now throughout eternity, not just your life here on this planet, but throughout eternity, you'd still be in want. You still wouldn't understand it completely. That is the greatness of how God loves us deep, how wide, how long. You know what Paul's trying to get you to understand in that? Take a box. Okay, you got your box, you got height, width, depth, all that jazz, okay? And I don't know math, I'm sure there's a way to explain this, I don't know if there is, forgive me, I don't, I, 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 math, blah, yeah. but I'm sure there's a way to express, basically like, take that box, and then imagine that that box shoots out in every direction. Up, down, left, right, out, this, it just goes, wonk. <laughs> like that. That's what he's trying to get you to understand. For too many of us, what we tend to do with God's love is we tend to say, I want to put it in a box and keep it there. This is controllable. This is understandable. This is good. The problem is, is this is not God's love for you. And it's very easy when the enemy comes and he attacks your relational status, if you've got God's love in a box, he'll find a way to go beyond your box. Every time. He'll bring something along that goes outside your box and you go, oh, now I don't know if God loves me. God, I don't know if you're there. God, this bad thing happened. I've always found that the attacks of the enemy when it comes to God's love, it always is one inch further than my box. But what Paul wants you to see, what Paul wants you to understand is God's love is so great and it is expanding like crazy that if your box is still expanding, the enemy can no longer get anything outside your box cuz your box is gone. Now God's love is everywhere. It consumes everything. Why does we how do we know that simple? God is love and he's everywhere. So many of us, we believe the lie because we want to keep God's love in a box. Listen, can you do me a favor? Throw your box away. Because you're not going to understand God's love. You're not going to get it. A lot of times we sit there and go, okay, I can understand why God would love me because I, 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 I did this and I did this and I did this. Remember, Jesus hadn't done anything yet. And so our box is, is, is created with God loves me because I'm a good person and God loves me because I've done the right thing and God loves me because I gave money or God loves me blah, 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 And what's the enemy do? He just goes one inch further and then your box, oh, break your box. Your lo- the lies of the enemy are keeping God's love in a box in your life and it's affecting everything. The last one. He lies about your condition status. He lies about your condition status. He says things like this God's not proud of you. God's not pleased with you. In fact, God, okay, oh, oh fine, fine. God loves you because he has to. He's loved, but God doesn't like you. God can't stand your guts. You go, Aaron, that's a little harsh. Listen, I've had people come into my office and say those exact words no 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 the scriptures say look at romans 8 30 30 30 through 31 and having chosen them he called them to come to him and having called them he gave them right standing with himself and having given them right standing he gave them his glory What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? God's for you. Your standing, your condition before Him is a one of good standing. You ever had that situation? You know what I say when I say that word good standing? You know the account's in good standing? It basically means everything's in order. Everything's in place. God's got you exactly where he wants you to be. And he loves you. And you are in good standing with him. Let's continue on again in Romans 8, 38 through 39. He says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. One of the things that the enemy loves to bring and loves loves to lie about our conditional status is the idea that God has left you. Oh yeah, God was walking with you and you were doing this, but you know what? When you screwed up, whoop, he out. He's gone. That's not what this says. I could have put up there where Jesus says, I am a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. That word never should mean something to us never is a very powerful word how many of you ever taken tests and they always say here's how you take true or false tests you look for words guess what you look for never always those are words that usually will show that the statement is not true It's false. Because there's not a lot in life that's never. And there's not a lot in life that's always. But you know what? God's word is always. And when he says, I'll never leave you, he means, I'll never leave you. Come up with any excuse you got. I did this. I did that. This happened to me. I'm not worthy. Give it to me. And guess what? We'll find every time. Every time. We'll find that never still means never. And that's the words of Jesus. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He loves you. He is pleased with you. And you are a child of him. And here's the problem. For some of us, we have allowed the lies of the enemy And we have come into agreement with them. We have said something like this. Okay, maybe God loves me, but he's not pleased with me. Remember we talked about it earlier, that idea of two truths and a lie? You know what i found a lot of times with these fundamental truths? When we accept Jesus as our Savior, we usually have to accept at least one of the truths. Okay? You get what I mean? You know, it's like, okay, why would... would, why would Jesus come and die for me? Okay, because he loves me. Okay, God is love. I can accept that. But, but to take it in the next step, and you know, am I really a child of God? Is God really pleased with me? Oh, no, 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 no. And some of us are really good with this idea of God being pleased. Like, listen, here's the thing. Like, the Pharisees were really good with this one. Like, God's pleased with me. But they were, God was pleased in their mind with them for the wrong reasons. They didn't see God's love. They didn't see themselves as child of God. They actually called themselves children of Abraham. Why? Because Abraham and Moses and these people, when they called themselves that, were connected with the first covenant, the old covenant, and with the law. When Jesus comes, he basically says, listen, I'm going to do something new. I'm going to make a new covenant, a new thing. But they were so okay with being God being pleased with them that they missed the fact that God could actually love them and they could be a child of God because God was doing something new. And for some of us, we walk around and we go, okay, God's pleased with me. Why is God pleased with you? Well, look, I did this, I did this, I did this, and we check off our boxes. And we totally miss God's love. And we totally miss that we're God's child. And so many of us, the enemy does the same exact thing to you and me as he did to Adam and Eve. He'll acknowledge a couple truths. But the problem is, if we don't accept the three fundamental truths, we're going to be in trouble. I don't have one. I looked for one. So I'm going to have you use your imagination. This is a stool. I looked very hard for a three-legged stool, but could not find it. So for those that are sitting in front here, this, 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 this disappeared. Okay. Ta-da, three-legged stool. See, for a lot of us, what the enemy does is he convinces us that we can use a two-legged stool when it comes to these foundational truths. And we go, yeah, yeah. We we say things like this. Two out of three ain't bad. And then we go to sit down. And we realize two out of three is kind of bad. God has given us a three-legged stool when it comes to how he sees you and me. And if you don't have every leg working properly, if you, are not, if you are agreeing to the lies of the enemy with just one, your stool will fall down every single time. Jesus said, I came and I want to give you freedom and the freedom will set you free. The freedom comes when we allow God to, in our lives, cement these three truths no matter what. I'm not telling you the enemy's not going to come, because he will. If he's going to come after Jesus, trust me, he's going to come after you. And he's going to come, and he's going to try to knock these legs out. And we have to be like Jesus. We can't just say, well, you know, I'm feeling okay. Listen, your feelings aren't going to be good enough. Not knocking your feelings, but they're not enough. You're going to have to be like Jesus. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you know what's interesting about that whole story? Jesus doesn't debate the enemy. Like, I like the debate, you know, it's like, let's have this argument about it. Jesus doesn't. Jesus just basically says, no. Here's what scripture says, you're done here. You know, when it comes to truth and lies, some of us need to kind of man or woman up a little bit. And realize, you know what? He that is in me is greater than he that's in the world. And my authority is not based on me. It's based on who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and the authority of God's word. So enemy, when you come and you bring those lies, bring them on because I have the truth and the truth will keep me and set me free. Because here's what scripture says. You know what's interesting? The enemy doesn't argue with God's word. But yet we do. It shuts the enemy down. Because it's powerful. It's greater than any two-edged sword. And one thing that we get above that as well is not only do we get to know God's word, apply it, use the scriptures to defeat the enemy, but also have a close walking relationship with Jesus so that when the enemy shows up, guess who's with you? I don't know about you. I've had times in my life where it's been hard. And I've done, you know, trying to fight against the lies of the enemy. And the enemy just keeps coming and just keeps coming. And I'm just fighting, I'm just fighting. And there's times where I've just said, you know what, Jesus, I, I, I need your help on this one. And Jesus comes. And he says, I love you. I'm proud of you. I'm pleased with you. You are my child. My child. My son. Or my daughter. And for so many of us, Our lives have been lives of bondage for the simple reason that we have agreed with a lie. And I am inviting you, and I believe God, and more importantly, is inviting you today to say no more. No. I'm not going to agree with this father of lies. Instead, I'm going to agree with the father of truth. Can you do me a favor? Can we just bow our heads and close our eyes for just a minute? I just want to focus. And I just want to ask right now, individually, okay? Have you believed a lie? Have you come into an agreement with a lie? Listen, this is very important. We talked about it earlier. This can have generational consequences. Because here's what I found. Hear me here. When you got a mom and dad who don't understand who they are in Christ, they're going to have a very hard time being the type of mom and dad that can love a child the way Jesus does. Do you get why this matters, folks? If you are believing a lie, it is not just affecting you, it's affecting everyone else around you. Why am I saying that? To make you feel guilty? Absolutely not. I'm telling you that so you understand the gravity of this situation and I want you to have freedom from it. I want you to walk in the freedom that Christ died to give you, but you can't have it if you accept the lies of the enemy, because then your stool has lost a leg. Because here's the bottom line, if Jesus didn't love you, he wouldn't have died for you, okay? Okay? If he didn't die for you, you couldn't be a child of God. If you can't be a child of God because of our sin and separation, God can't be proud and pleased with you. Do you understand why this is so vital? It literally sends people to hell. When we miss this. That's why the enemy loves to attack it over and over and over and over and over. over. God wants to bring you freedom today. God wants you to say no to the lie today. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, God has a plan that is so much better than anything you've ever dreamed of. But it starts, in a lot of ways, by accepting no lies. As we continue in this series, we're gonna look at some other things, but this is a foundational message for this entire series. Because on one hand, you have the God of truth that offers freedom. And on the other hand, you have the father of lies that offers deception and ultimately death. And you have to decide who will I believe? This morning, that's the question I ask everyone that's here, everyone that's online. Who will you believe? If you believe God, you'll find a life full of freedom, grace, goodness, love, mercy, joy, peace, patience, all those great amazing things that are a part of God's character, if you let him and he be your father, if you allow the lie to be accepted, you'll have another father. He'll be the father of lies, and he'll bring death, deception, just a mess of everything. (laughs) Who will you choose? Who will you choose this day? I could spend a lot of time going through each and every okay, do you deal with this? Do you deal with that? Listen, you know what you deal with. I believe the Holy Spirit has already been preparing your heart before you even showed up this morning for what you're dealing with. The question is more simple than that. The question is which father is your father? The father of truth? Or the father of lies? now If it is the father of truth, then believe your father. Mm -hmm. Believe him and all that he says about who you are and what you are. His great love for you. And reject the lies of the enemy. Father, we come to you right now and we need that help. The lies of the enemy are crafty. The lies of the enemy sound good. He doesn't come to his father and explain all of it. He usually, again, he, he wraps up that that, that, two li- uh, that one lie with the two truths. He makes it hard. But Father, we know that he is the father of all lies and there is no truth in him. So whatever he comes, whatever he brings, it's deception. But Father, you are all truth. You, there is no deceit in you at all. You are completely truth. And so, Father, today I pray for myself and for everyone here. We choose you. And we choose you and your truth. We love you. And we thank you. You are so good. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to do something a little bit different. I know the time is a little late. I apologize for that, but I just think this is important. I'd like everybody to stand. And I would love to say that I did this on purpose, and you think I'm all wonderful and great. But truth is, I didn't. It just, God just, God just did it, okay? He gets the credit and all the glory. But we did a song. The very first song is called, um, a Ch- I'm a Child of God. And, and, and I just, I've been kind of just picking songs and throwing them on there, you know. And as, as this was going on, I was going, oh my goodness, like this song is just perfect. And so to conclude our service this morning, and Wendy, if you want to come up, you can. You don't have to if you don't want to. Either way, we're just going to sing this song together. It's just a four or five minute song. It's not too long. And we're going to, I want this to be our declaration. Okay? Because it talks about, about being a child of God. It talks about the freedom that we have. It's an amazing song. And so this morning, I would ask if you have chosen, you know what, I'm going to believe the father of truth, not the father of lies, that we just sing this as, again, as just a declaration to our father that we believe his truth and not the lies of the enemy. We'll play this song I'll come back. I'll close this in prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. But let's let's really enter in and allow God to speak to us very clearly as we play this song. Jen, if you're ready, go ahead and hit it. Thank you, Jesus.
1: Who am I that the highest King would welcome? Last so He brought but me in, yeah. oh, His love for me, oh, His love for me. Who yeah. oh, the sun sets free, who oh, is free indeed, I'm a child of God, yes I died yeah. for me. Yeah. Yes, He died for me. The Son sets free. Who is free in Thee? I'm a child. what you've I done but really is that he chose you. Boy, proclaim be. it. Speak it into the air. That's right. Proclaim it over your life. Proclaim it over your yeah. family. Proclaim it over say your church. Say your church. Say I That's right.
0: Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hmm. Let those words just just be just a proclamation. You know, so we, we, need to, we need to speak those things over our lives. We need to speak those truths and combat the, the lies of the enemy. That's who we are. Not because of what we have done but because of what he has done. Remember, it gave him great pleasure to call you his own. That's so amazing. So Father, this morning, we embrace your truth and we reject the lies. We accept no lies of the enemy this day. And we know tomorrow when the enemy comes again and begins to try to bring those lies, that we can stand up to him and say, no, the Scriptures say. No, I am a child of God. No, my Father loves me. And no, my Father is pleased with me. Even in my imperfection, He loved me before, he even, before I even knew who He was. And so we embrace that. We cling to that as an anchor for our souls. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. So good. Hey, listen, thank you so much for being here this morning. For those that are online, we love you and miss you. For everybody around here, listen, there's lots of sign-up sheets. Make sure you check all those things out. If you have any questions, please let me know. I love you guys so much, and we'll see you soon.